You are now listening to Trillionaires, a race ahead. Great recession did not affect everyone in the same way. A new report shows that the wealth gap between whites, blacks, and Hispanics are the widest they've been since the government started keeping track 25 years ago. What's good, everybody? Welcome to Trillionaires, a race ahead, a podcast that explores how racism, politics, and economics all contribute to the racial wealth divide in America. I'm your host, Danny Blue, and thank you guys so much for tuning in to this jam-packed episode six, six episodes in, and I'm so grateful and thankful to anyone that's, that's messaged me and asked about when the next episode is dropping that have shared it on their social media and commented about what they've learned, have rated it on Apple Podcasts, have reached out to me personally and told me uh, that they've learned something, man. Thank you guys so much. Producing this show by myself is not easy, especially with working, having another podcast and a business, but messages and feedback that I get from you, the listener, is what keeps me motivated and keeps me moving forward. So thank you, 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 and thank you again for supporting me and for supporting this show and the message behind the show. As for this episode, man, I want to take a deep dive into a recent report from Nielsen that said by 2022, black quote-unquote consumer power will surpass one and a half trillion dollars annually, meaning that black consumers, people like me and you, go out when we buy clothes, when we buy shoes, when we buy cars, when we buy food, when we buy deodorant, toothpaste, all that. We're spending over a trillion dollars annually. So I want to explore the negatives of the report and the positives of that report and also discuss some areas of opportunity and how we can use the data to shift the narrative around one, black businesses, and two, group economics. Y'all know the drill, man. Strap on your thinking caps, turn the volume up, and let's get into this week's episode. Where are your industries? You don't manufacture the thing. All you're doing is consuming. We are 100% consumers and zero producers in the most capitalistic society on earth. And we have failed to understand because of our marketing people have not told us the truth. Our promoters have not told us the truth that in a capitalistic society, there is no such thing as consumer power. Consumer power does not exist. You cannot have consumer power in a capitalist society. The only person that has the power is he who is producing has the power. You have producing power. You don't have any consumer power. Consumerism is a weakness. You know, for me, I, I read this Nielsen report that said that by 2023, the net income or spending power of black Americans will surpass one and a half trillion dollars. And for those of you who don't recall or remember or are new listeners, this show was entitled Trillionaires largely based on the recent Nielsen reports over the last two years that have said um, since 2013, black American spending power has been above a trillion dollars. 
Now in 2019, it's at about 1.3. By 2023, it'll be at 1.5. So I initially started this podcast with that premise. How can black Americans have over a trillion dollars in net income and quote unquote consumer power? More dollars than countries like Spain. How can black Americans, the 45 million or so of us, have more spending power than a country like Spain, yet own so little in this country, and yet have been experiencing so much economic inequality? Why is the racial wealth gap what it is? Why does a black American family only own $17,000 of wealth on average, and a white American family owns over $170,000 in wealth on average. How, how do those two connect? So it led me down this rabbit hole of exploring racism, politics, and economics, and how they've all been intertwined to keep us from creating wealth. And in order for us to continue on this journey, we have to address consumerism and the quote-unquote consumer power that we of blacks have what can we do with this 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 trillion and a half dollars what opportunities does it present for us to shift the narrative and and change um, our economic outlook in this country and also what negatives does it signal what things socially and culturally need to be changed within our communities things that don't involve racism things that don't involve politics and don't evo- don't involve economics what are things that we can change within our families within our personal lives with our spending to make change as a, as, as a larger group so this episode is going to be primarily about that so let's start with just talking about the power of the black consumer and the power of the black dollar with a brief history lesson So after the turn of the century, after slavery, black consumers were largely um, ignored by white corporations. This is where you see the the caricatures used of blacks with um, big lips and over-exaggerated features, companies like Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben's Rice, all these companies were born in these early 1900 times and played on exploitation of black consumers. Some firms even named products the N-word or uh, referred to children as pickaninnies or would advertise blacks in very savagely and ignorant ways. The whole uh, phenomenon of black people loving watermelon, which I'm a black person and love watermelon because it's delicious and great for you. But the the, the caricature of black people um, being overly obsessed with watermelon came in the early 1900s and was used by advertisers as a way to demean the black consumers. And they got away with it because they didn't see black consumers as a viable market. It wasn't until largely after the Great Depression, uh, the Great Migration that we covered in previous episodes when blacks began to leave the South and flee to the North for factory jobs. Then blacks started to make 
about the same amount of money as whites. So they started to to gain some status. They were moving into urban cities and starting to spend more of what they earned. Corporations took notice of this and started to market to black consumers. Now, the issue with this is one, before white corporations uh, saw us as a viable market, blacks depended on other blacks to produce goods and services for their consumption. As we covered previously prior to integration, black communities were largely self-sufficient in a way that they got their haircuts by black people, they went to black dentists, they went to black doctors, they went to black grocers, uh, they went to black farmers, etc. because it was all they had. It was a necessity, right? We saw value in spending our dollars with people that looked like us and served our communities. What these corporations did and what the larger market did was say, within, after integration, we can now market to uh, black consumers and get them to take their dollars away from black businesses and spend with us. Now, why is that important, right? We know that when you spend money with, within your neighborhood, those businesses are able to thrive, those businesses are able to then hire people and employ people and the money goes into the taxes, which goes, the taxes then goes into the school system. The taxes also goes into the infrastructure around the community. So when you spend within your community, you are helping to revitalize the community. You are helping to keep the community afloat. Once you start to take dollars away from the community, your power is gone. What we need to understand fully is the power that our dollars possess. It's been said that black consumers move markets. The things that we support have a quote unquote cool factor, meaning when we support something or we advocate for something, for example, the Popeye's chicken sandwich, we instantly drive up sales and make it cool. When have you ever seen Popeye's, li Popeyes with lines? around it never but that's because of us we have that power our dollars have that power and let me give you another another example an historical example we'll go back to the civil rights days in montgomery bus boycott this boycott lasted over a year 381 days where the black citizens of montgomery refused to ride the buses due to um, poor mistreatment, being told that they had to sit in the back. The boycott lasted 381 days, over a year, and it crippled the bus company so much that they had to change the law. Meaning once we just stopped spending money, we were the main ones riding the bus because we couldn't remember this is the, the 60s. We didn't have the money to have. Everybody didn't have cars. Everybody wasn't able to drive to work. We, we relied on public transportation. And we had the ability just by taking our dollars away to change policy and change law. That is power, right? That's one level of consumer power. 
And that's why I've been saying consumer power in, quote, in, in quotes is because there's levels to the power that we have as consumers. True power is not only in being a consumer, but also in being a producer. And I don't want to discredit um, consumers at all because consumers are needed. But where we have failed since integration is in promoting production or in other words, ownership. We've taken our dollars and made white corporations rich and crumbled the infrastructure and businesses in our communities. Case in point, the Negro Leagues of the 1930s and 40s, thriving, black-owned, right? They sold out Yankee Stadium. We didn't need the majors. We had our own league with our own rules that was black-owned. Some teams were more successful financially than others just due to the markets that they were in and the lack of resources. But the point is we had our own league. The majors comes in, they realize, oh, black consumers are spending money and like baseball. They're selling out Yankee Stadium. They have some great players. Why don't we integrate and bring one of them over to our league? My thinking is it was a way for them to to destroy the competition. And we fell for it. Not not blaming Jackie Robinson, God rest his soul, not blaming him at all. But I'm saying at some point we have to see us as more valuable than them. By us choosing to integrate into the major leagues, it's pretty much a spit in the face to your own league. And what happened? Players started to lead the Negro Leagues to the majors, and they thought they had made it. Ties back into the last episode. Getting out the ghetto, living amongst whites. We think that we have made it. Being able to shop at uh, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, Fendi, Saks Fifth. We place status on that. We place value on being able to afford the same things that whites do. But according to this Nielsen article, and I'm going to have the article in the description of this episode so you guys can read it for yourself, black consumers are more likely to shop at those department stores than white folks are. So to me, it's a matter of us using materialism and consumption of high-value goods and services as a way to subconsciously say that we are equal. We use the Louis bag, the Michael Kors bag, the the Burberry scarf, the the Gucci scarf. Whatever you want to whatever you want to say anything that's expensive and white. We use it as a way to say, "Hey, you have to treat me with respect now because I can afford the same thing you can." when wealthy white people don't even act like that. We think that by us showing off our material possessions, that is going to be a way for whites to show us respect. Oh, she has a Louis bag. I have to treat her with some respect. That, that, that's, that's the thought process. 
We said, you know what? We're not even going to try to be equal in, in wealth and ownership. But we'd rather continue to make your corporations rich, because that's what you're doing. And I'm going to show you how wealthy I am, so then you have to respect me. And this goes back to, I think it was episode two. We'll go into these department stores and we'll be openly disrespected, not greeted, not asked if we need help, ignored. We'll go into dealerships, not see a black face, not be greeted by a salesman, and we'll pay cash. We'll overpay for things just to prove that we can, to prove that we got it. Think about how backwards that thinking is. And that has nothing to do with racism. It has nothing to do with politics and little to do with economics. That is a simple cultural asphyxiation that we have with wanting to be like white folks. And I, I, nobody else is going to speak to you this way. So I hope that you pay attention and listen. In order for us to be truly equal, to be truly respected by any other group in this country, it's not going to happen through consumption. It's not going to happen through buying another group's product and service. They won't respect you just because you make them wealthy. Case in point, the, the, the companies that we spend the most with don't even invest in our communities. Because why would they? All we gonna do is take the money out of it and give it right back to them. This is why ownership as well as consumption is important. We have to be producers as well as consumers. There, that's a constant life cycle. Black consumers must spend their dollars with black businesses, businesses that serve them and their community, or we will be irrelevant in the next 20 years. We will be irrelevant. There will be no chance at us ever closing this wealth gap if we continue to take our money out of our communities and spend it with other people who don't give a fuck about us. We have to change our mindset and ideals and not fight for a seat at someone else's table. Climbing the corporate ladder in a white corporation is great for some, but for us, representation isn't a win. We don't need to be represented in someone else's establishment. We need to be have our own establishment that comes from our voice that is controlled by us. Case in point, let me tell you a little story that you probably don't know. From 1946 to 1970, this was after the invention of the television, weekly attendance at movies dropped from 90 million in 1946 to 17 million in 1970. Hollywood was on the brink of failure. They were about to be obsolete. Guess who saved them? 
you. Black consumers. This is where the term black exploitation comes from. If you've ever seen the movie Shaft or Superfly, these are examples of quote unquote black exploitation films. Films based in largely urban environments, as we know the majority of blacks at the time in the 70s and 60s lived in urban environments. They showed um, black leads that were pimps, that were militant, and that promoted violence, sex, and drugs. Needless to say, we showed up and showed out. We filled the movies with these low-budget films. I believe the the, the first Shaft was um, filmed on a budget of one and one one and a half million dollars, grossed over eighteen. So Hollywood said, "Wow, we don't even have to put a lot of money into these movies, and we're going to make huge profit." So over the span of two to three years. Hollywood started to pump out these black lead films like hotcakes. They got back relevant again and then pulled the plug. Because we didn't have any infrastructure of our own, we were producing our own movies, but largely the production of movies, someone had to fund them, right? Banks weren't going to give them money. And there weren't a lot of wealthy blacks at the time to loan money. So the only option was to go to Hollywood and fight for representation. Two years ago, we just had Oscars so white. Where does that come from? It dates back to these times. Hollywood used us, pimped us out for three years, and then said, all right, well, we ain't fucking with y'all no more. Like, you can, you can, be, you can play a pimp. You can play a, a gangster. You can play a prostitute. But we ain't about to cash on nothing serious. And that lasted for so long. So you see the parallel there. There's a power that you possessed in your consumption. By you consuming, you helped keep an industry afloat. But because you couldn't produce, you then lacked any control or true power to keep yourself afloat, forcing you to remain dependent on staying on someone else's boat. I'm sorry for the analogy, but it just made sense. There is a tremendous amount of opportunity for us as consumers to make change in our community. A tremendous amount. But we have to change our mindsets when it comes to how we look at black businesses. We can no longer look at black businesses as something that we do one time a month. I believe August was by Black Month. We can't look at black businesses on just a Friday. We just gonna, we gonna support a black business today. We have to instead Look at black businesses as a necessity to our group's empowerment. Meaning when you support and give money and your dollars to a black business, you're feeding a black family, you're employing black people, 
and you're putting money into a black neighborhood. It's not as surface level as, oh, I'm just going to support a black business today. We can't have that mindset no more. We have to make it very cut, dry, and plain and stress the importance that your dollars plays into this ecosystem. Okay? Remember, the, the think black first mindset. When you need something, think if a black person can provide that good or service or product for you. That should be the baseline, right? When you spend money, spend your dollars with black businesses. I don't care about you saying, oh, black businesses got bad customer service and da 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 da. That is bullshit. Bullshit. Of course, I've been to a black business that had horrible customer service before. I've been to plenty of white businesses that has horrible customer service before. And I'm guarantee you one outweighs the other. And you don't have to figure out which one it is if you listen to my voice. Don't listen to that BS myth that people say about black businesses. Black businesses, is inf the infrastructure is outdated or they don't look as nice. Well, Duh, they don't look as nice because they couldn't get the same loan that the white business that sells the exact same products as they do. They couldn't get access to that loan. So they flushed out their savings account. They got money from their friends and family, and this is what they could afford. But your dollars can help them improve their infrastructure a little bit. You can help them move into a bigger space. We cannot have stricter judgment for people that look like us than we do for people who do not look like us. So once we shift our mindsets, when it comes to how we spend, we then need to shift our mindsets into owning and controlling the things that we consume. Now, for instance, I'm going to get into this article and talk about the markets or industries in which we are the majority of the consumers. The number one industry in which we dominate is in ethnic hair and beauty. Over 90% of that market's dollars come from black folks. Over 90%. I'm not going to get into larger conspiracy of, of how marketers have made you look at yourself and see yourself as less than and want to look like somebody else with straight hair instead of loving your natural beauty and complexion. But I digress. 90% of that industry's income comes from black people. Yet you can't name one black owner or manufacturer or distributor of ethnic hair. And I don't know uh, if Fenty is 100% owned by Rihanna, what that structure is. If it is, salute to her. Um, 
some people might think Shea Moisture comes to mind. Shea Moisture was a um, a black founded company, but they sold to Unilever, I believe it was last year. So they're no longer black owned, though they have a largely black workforce. They are owned by a white corporation. And that's another thing that we could touch on, too. When we see success, when we, when we get a certain level of success, BET, Bob Johnson, for example, we cannot sell to someone outside of our community. That, that, isn't, that isn't a win. I don't care for how much money it is. That, that's, that's not cool. Because now you take away the control the power is in someone else's hands to control your brand. Once they own, they have the final decision. That's why BT has crashed so much. BT was what we grew up on. Now we we don't even watch it because it's not even us. It's not even authentic anymore. And then you see, once Shea Moisture got owned by Unilever, they had commercials with white girls in them. When black people represent 90% of the market. So you have to see and understand the game. And we have to take pride in production and ownership. Ethnic hair and beauty is just one example of a market in which we represent the majority. There's an opportunity for us as black folks to control that industry to control the narratives of that industry. So if you know someone who produces, um, you know, uh, shea butter, they produce, they make their own makeup. Um, if they for somehow produce their own hair and they're black, support them. If they have a beauty supply store and it's black owned, go to it. Black owned, if, if you know of a black owned beauty supply store, tag them on this episode and make sure they have a website and make sure that we stop giving our monies to the Asians and the Vietnamese and start to give our money to black folks. We control this industry with our dollars, but yet own nothing in it. We need to start to put our dollars in black owned businesses in this industry. That goes with uh, nail salons, um, hair salons. Stop giving your money to these Korean nail salons. As much as black women love to get their nails done, go to another black person to let them do it for you. And if you're an entrepreneurial person, this is the perfect time and the perfect space to open the business in. You don't have to do it alone. Get a group of friends. The, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. You'll see in the article, we represent 90% of that industry's income. We do. That means if we were to own, if we were to own in that industry, we could have true power true economic power. The next industry in which we represent the most consumption is in dry grains and vegetables. So fresh fruit and produce. 
How many black farmers do you know? How many black people do you know that know how to farm? That have gardens? I know none. But I would love to meet some. And I would love to give them all of my money for all of my vegetables and fruits and grains. I would love to. There's an opportunity here for us to, one, learn how to grow our own food. And then start a business with it. Feed your community. We're spend, we represent 50% of that, of that industry spending. 50%. But we can't even name one black farmer or one black product that we buy in, in this segment. That's a shame. Personal soap and bath products, 42% of that industry's income come from black folks. How many black uh, owned soap brands do you know? I'm talking hand soap, face wash, body wash. I ain't seen not one outside of African black soap, but I don't even know if that's black. I can't trust that because so many people that knocked it off. I don't even know if that's black. And it's probably not. There's an opportunity here for us to create our own soaps for us. By us. Create our own soaps, deodorants, hand soaps, and let them be black owned and marketed to black people. And you are an instant millionaire. Listen, man, I'm giving y'all so much free game right now. Free game on what industries you can start a business in and see success by just depending on your own people. You don't need mass market uh, penetration for you to be successful in ethnic hair beauty or in personal soap and bath or in dry grains and vegetables. If you can feed your community by starting a garden, going to the farmer's market, marketing the black folks, selling, selling your produce, your soaps, your beauty products, you can be successful. Your salon, your nail salon, you can be successful by just marketing to people that look like you. The next market in which we consume the most, baby food and pampers. And this is huge. This is, this is such a big opportunity that I even started thinking about, I need to get in contact with some pamper manufacturers and figure this, figure this out. And baby food. Think of soul food, baby food? Oh my God. Gerber will go out of business, you hear me? Soul pampers? With the black babies on? Come on now. What black person you know that's going in a grocery store? And they don't even have, we don't even have to go in the grocery store. It could be direct to consumer. What black person that you know that's going to have black babies that's going to be all over their products, all over their marketing, that ain't going to buy black baby food or black pampers? What black mama you know ain't going to do that? Come on now. We have the ability 
to move markets with our dollars. But we can no longer have the conversation of saying, we're going to try to force XYZ Corporation to change their policies to make it more comfortable for us, i.e. Starbucks, with the whole racism thing that happened and made them shift their policies, and black folks loved it. Yeah, we showed them they can't treat us like that. Instead of saying, you showed us who you are, so now we're going to go to the black coffee shop for good. We are the most forgiving people in the world. And it's, it's, a, and it's a great character trait, but it also is a horrible one. Because at some point, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and see yourself as more valuable than someone else. Consumer power is dead without production power. If you guys want to talk more about this, if anybody wants to partner with me on starting a business in one of these industries that I've listed to, to truly start to make some change and take control into industries in which we dominate, let's talk. Let's build. Let's work together. I am truly serious and passionate about making a change in our community. It starts mentally, and I know that. It's going to start in each and every one of you. It's going to take each and every one of you awakening within yourself and changing your mindset before the larger group can change. That's why I ask that you spread this episode, the previous episodes, this message. Start to have these conversations because it is needed. We will not close this wealth gap if this does not change. We will can literally consume ourselves into irrelevance if we do not place a higher value on black business and black people. That's all I got, man. I hope y'all enjoyed it. As always, black love is not equal. Evidence of a divine presence. Held me down at times I seem reckless. Got a L but got a E for effort. Stretched it. Dropped him off in the Mojave Desert. The left.